the magnificent Midwest. This is the Suzanne Benker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives regarding men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. This program is brought to you in part by Let's Get Real, where forensic accountant Tiffany Couch uses her financial skills to shine the light on the real issues we all face every day. If you would like to make decisions based on facts rather than on rhetoric and cultural pressure, go to letsgetreallife.com, a place where you can find tools to improve your communication skills and to increase your connection to humanity. That's letsgetreallife.com. Okay, one quick announcement before we get to today's show. If you have not become a Patreon subscriber, now is the time to do so. There are three very economical levels to choose from, all of which include free gifts. Plus, I'm now offering a free signed copy of the Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage for those who sign up at the $20 level and who live in the U.S. That's very important. You must live in the U.S. Finally, if you have a business you want to promote, there's even an option for that. And now, on with the show. I am so excited for today's guest, because in full disclosure, she's the daughter of a friend of mine who I have known for decades since she was a little girl. So it's really wonderful to talk with her now as a very young uh, woman in college, a senior actually. Her name is Lily, and she's a senior in college getting ready to graduate with a degree in anthropology with plans to be a high school teacher. Never one to shy away from difficult topics in the pursuit of truth, Lily has written a controversial senior thesis entitled The Pill, Implications for How a Medical Technology Changed the Meaning of Sex. It is not easy to find anyone these days who's courageous enough to discuss unpopular truths, but it's even harder to find a young woman Lily's age who will do so. So I was thrilled when she agreed to come on the program to discuss her paper alongside an article I've just written for EV Magazine, a magazine I highly recommend to everybody, E-V-I-E, EV Magazine, entitled Marriage-Minded Women Are in Desperate Need of dating advice. The two essays go very well together in making the argument that women have ironically given up their sexual power by becoming sexually liberated. I don't think liberated is the right word there, but you know what I mean when I use that word. And by believing that men and women are essentially the same, that any differences we see between the sexes have no basis in biology. What a huge scam this has been, as Lily knows all too well. Welcome to the show, Lily. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm so excited to be on here. It's so awesome to see you, dear. This is great. Um, okay, so what I'm going to do is I went through your paper, your thesis, and I pulled out the main points that um, we're going to discuss today. And I think people are going to just really eat this up. It's been so, this is really fun to have somebody your age on the program. I'm so okay. excited, honestly. I know this is, this is going to be great. Okay. So we'll start with just sort of the opening. This was in the opening paragraph and kind of the gist of, of where you're going with this. You wrote in the anthropological world, citing biology to account for sex differences in behavior can enter dangerous waters. However, one cannot ignore the extremely important biological influence within this realm, especially as anthropological disciplines have increased their studies of the interplay between social and biological factors, finding them difficult or even impossible to separate at times. End quote. And do you know what I thought of when I read that right away, Lily? Yeah. Was that I know from my own research over the years that anthropologists, doctors, researchers, basically anybody who studies sex differences and they unearth this data to prove those sex differences have are basically punished if they relay their findings. 
I don't know that you've run into that yet because you're you're still in college. Maybe you've read about it, but tell me a little bit about um, focusing on this subject in the world that you're in in academia. Well, first of all, when I started writing this thesis, I kind of had a completely different direction in which I was taking it. And originally, I was going to talk about cultural models, which is kind of an anthropology concept that I won't really get into. But it was mainly about how understandings of certain things within the world can influence how people act and think. And this is all around us. But when I started doing this, I wanted to get into the sex differences because I used to be a biology um, pre-med major. I wanted to be a physician's assistant. And uh, when I changed that, when I entered anthropology, I still had that strong influence of biology. You can't ignore science. And what I found was when I was starting this and reading research articles um, was that people didn't want, like there was no one just saying science is true, science is real. It's all um, kind of has this sense of subjectivity and, well, this study was found, but they would kind of offer this disclaimer in the beginning of the research paper saying, well, it couldn't, it might not be significant. We might not have used a big enough research group, which can be true in certain circumstances, but it almost was as if they were apologizing or downplaying for apologizing for the differences that they were finding. And I just thought this was crazy. So when I wrote the paper, I kind of couldn't ignore the biology. And so that's kind of what I ran into when I began it. And that's the uh, eventual direction that I actually took it in. I feel like this is I, I generally feel like this is when most people's eyes are opened is somewhere in college. In fact, I just read something in my research earlier today. I don't remember where, where that's where the turnaround was for this gentleman was that in fact, they were very left wing, this person mm-hmm. until he got into college and had some experience in the classroom that was so out there that you couldn't even in good faith carry on with the way you're thinking because you see the craziness. No, I, I completely agree. And It also, in terms of, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but when I was writing this, it was also my personal life and my own experiences and watching my peers who were all my age going through this. And I didn't even need to read the research papers. I just watched it all around me. That's all I needed, really. Well, let's get into that because we haven't, people might be a little confused. Well, I don't know. We'll see um, by what you mean by that. So let me read one other paragraph and then we'll come back to what you just said. Yeah. You said, this is again, pretty much the thesis. The birth control pill has largely influenced changing patterns of sexual behavior in terms of its previously expected relationship to commitment and love. And yet, despite these changes, hookup culture has not been demonstrated to benefit heterosexual men and women equally in the aspects of expectations for relationships and sex, end quote. And I think that's what you were getting at with your friends. So you're writing this basically... Um, showing how the pill has not empowered women at all, but actually taken their, you know, you didn't use these, this, I'm paraphrasing, but taking their sexual power away from them. And you're studying this for months to do your thesis and you're watching as your contemporaries are engaging in this very behavior, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it was funny. I would be, you know, writing this in my room. I live in an apartment on my campus and um, I would come out for a lunch break and see one of my friends or my roommates, um, you know, being really upset or not in a great, great mood and was crying over some guy. And it's funny because I had just been writing about it, but I didn't even need to. I, I was, I would ask her what's up. And she said, Oh, well, this guy I've been hooking up with, um, I'm not really sure what he wants. He won't make it very clear to me. And that just solidified it for me. I couldn't shake that. I just feel that it was right. I knew that this was truth. And it was crazy to me that no one 
Tells told me about this growing up or, or no one talks to you about it. And that was just absurd to me. Amen. Amen. And so when you, it must be really hard to have to hold your tongue, I guess. In oh, yeah. <laughs> do they ask? Uh, I mean, do they know? Well, first, of all, first of all, did they know what you were writing? They did. I explained it to them a little bit and they said, oh, oh they said kind of like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's, that's really, really wonderful and interesting. But it wasn't like it was something that they thought was ground shaking. It just was, oh, it's just another, uh, it's just another anthropology thing that she's doing because she's a crazy anthropology girl. Um, they didn't, what they didn't they, actually, what are they doing? Or what are they studying? Uh, one of them is a chemical engineer. Uh, she's extremely smart. Uh, and then the other one is a biology major. And then a couple other of my friends are, um, in the medical field as well. So all of them are actually science majors. I'm the only person who's a humanities major. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so, all right. So going back to what I just said in terms of that paragraph that you wrote, so, so you, uh, you identify that the birth control pill has not affected, I mean, the idea behind it, let's face it. I mean, initially the idea behind it was obviously to, for, to help women control the number of children they have, obviously. Mm -hmm. but over time mixed with that message, which we'll talk about in a minute. Cause I know you kind of spanned the 20th century and how the things went down with this. But as soon as that whole concept of casual sex became normalized, the assumption was that the pill whether or not it was stated in this way, uh, the ability to control your reproductive functions in that way that with that with such ease would make women more like men because men don't get pregnant, right? So if we just stop women from getting pregnant, therefore they will act and think and believe and behave like men. That was basically the idea. And which your argument we, here is that it doesn't work out that way, right? For sure. And which we, we both know, Suzanne, that is... Not true. I mean, you can't give people a magic pill and they're all going to act the same. There are deep rooted biological and evolutionary differences um, in men as compared to women. And you're right. The the thesis of this was basically that the birth control pill, it did have wonderful um allowances of freedom and allowing women to control their reproduction and control the amount of kids they had. It allowed them to enter the economy. And it's a wonderful thing. But in the same sense, they thought that if they removed that ability, that they would begin acting the same. And what I found, well, I thought, well, I must start with the beginnings of hookup culture. That's kind of where I started with this paper. And we kind of spanned through the era of dating beginning in the early 1900s, all the way up until 1965, when the pill was legalized in every state. And there was lots of changes in the way that people dated. Um, culture changes all the time. That's been how things have been for millennia for humans. But the one thing that did not change was that people didn't engage in sex unless there was some sort of investment, commitment, or some sort of sense of relationship. There was a date involved. But now, as Suzanne, you mentioned to me the other day, now someone can, a guy can booty call a girl at midnight and she'll leave at three in the morning and the two will have sex and never talk to each other ever again. And this simply didn't happen because there was that risk of pregnancy um, and that the pill was also introduced during a time in which things were changing rapidly. The 1960s were a cultural uh, turbulence of many waves of transformations involving feminism and uh, this idea of sexual liberation. And the pill was introduced so strategically mm -hmm. right during that time, whether or not it was chance, it just happened to just be the, it just happened to be the boiling point in changing everything. Right. I love that quote that you had. You said, quote, like a pot of water set to boil, its societal addition, referring to the birth control pill, 
became just the right amount of impetus for allowing the development of a new script for dating and sexual behavior to emerge. These demographic changes allowed the existence of a new narrative surrounding the context of sexual interactions within dating, in which women adapted to a sexual script, which the men preferred. Such a great paragraph. And we are still living with that today. Exactly. I mean, and that really struck me because when the statement, when that statement was made, what I had in mind was that men did prefer the sexual script. Men always will. They, it's natural for them. Um, in anthropology, we study primates a lot. And primates are very interesting because they have a lot of various different sexual strategies, but the main theme in all of the primate groups is that usually you have a dominant male and polygyny, that's P-O-L-Y-G-Y-N-Y, multiple females, and the males will compete for access to being the dominant male and access to sex. It's what drives them. It's why they'll put themselves at risk. And obviously that's, that's an animalistic thing, but we have the same common ancestors as primates. And if their sexual script and um, their sexual strategies exist, why are those not somewhat rooted in our evolution? And that's the thing that confuses me in academia because that just makes complete sense. We share common ancestors with those animals and humans do the same thing. So in biology, at least in primates, men have a different sexual strategy than women. So what men will do is in terms of their genes and their gametes, uh, which is their DNA that they will give to an offspring, which conjoins with an egg and a female, they don't have to use a lot of energy in that release. Quite literally, they insert sperm into a female and they can leave. And they their, uh, their offspring will live and the female will take care of them. And in a lot of, uh, a lot of animals, that's the only thing that the male contributes. And so it makes sense for him to have more offspring and have more of his DNA passed on by impregnating as many females as possible. But females have a different sexual strategy. They emphasize quality over quantity. And so instead of having any mating that they could possibly have, they have these standards. They want the best mate possible. The one will have the best genes, the one who will give the greatest investment in her, and the one who she thinks will help her offspring survive. And so men and women have to meet in the middle here for biological trade-offs. And that's where you have a relationship, which I think is very interesting and very cool. You're so awesome, Lily. That's so great. Awesome explanation. And what got lost in there is this idea that because the roles have changed, because because women can control their reproduction, because women can make their own money, that somehow that upends everything you just described. And of course, it doesn't. This is what's causing the problem with dating today. For sure. And the birth control pill definitely allowed that. And prior, you did have people who perhaps had sexual intimacy or some sort of hookup um, prior to the 1960s. But again, there is that risk of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And although they did have condoms, they're not as... uh, they're not as effective as birth control. And once women had this, in addition to this cultural script of feminism, which was also a big influence, it wasn't just the pill. Um, it was the two in combination that woman thought, if I act like a man, I'm going to have the same desires as a man. And that simply does not change. Evolution takes thousands of years and a simple change in culture in a few decades is not going to do that. Exactly. Okay. Now, so you give three likely going back a little bit to that initial paragraph that had the thesis about the birth control, not um, d- having equal response on for men and women. Mm-hmm. 
you gave three likely explanations for why this is so. This is the basis of your paper. I'm going to read those three, and then we're going to go through them. Yeah. The first one was physical differences in sexual arousal, which you just sort of alluded to a moment ago in your explanation um, of sperm and all that. Two, variation in sexual motivators, which basically means why men and women do what they do and what it is they want. I think that's what you meant by that, right? And three, emotional differences in men's and women's reactions following casual sex. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say all three of those again. Three likely explanations for this inequity, let's call it that, in men and women despite the existence of the pill. Physical differences in sexual arousal, variation in sexual motivators or motivation, and emotional differences in men's and women's reactions following casual sex. Okay, these are really, really important. So number one, as for sex differences in physicality, number one, you wrote, quote, it was found that men were three times as likely to masturbate more than once a week, and that 75% of men, as compared to 25% of women, reported reaching orgasm in most of their casual sexual encounters, end quote. That is a huge, massive gap. And not surprising at all to anyone listening, I'm sure. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Lily, about <laughs> orgasms. I've known this girl since she was born. <laughs> it's okay. About these things. Oh, my God. Um, but that being that as it may, um, this is significant because I, I feel like this has not been covered enough in that 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 physical difference that it takes women so much longer. And the scene has to be set so much differently than it does for women, just for that physical piece of it. If if there isn't anything that shows a difference between women and men, I don't know what there is. That's like a physical manifestation of this huge gap between women and men that women need more to get there emotionally to be able to relent, to be able to let go in that way, which a man does not. That is a huge difference. It is. It really is. And even earlier, this is funny that we're talking about this. Um, Earlier, I was actually talking to my brother who's 19 and he's in college. And we were having a conversation about uh, hookups and guys at the bar and girls at the bar. I don't know how we got onto this. And he said, well, for guys, relationships and sex are two completely different things. But for girls, they're not. Or at least there's there's not a defined line between them. There's more of a gray area. And for them, they tend to combine them. And it's funny because he has no idea, like he didn't really hear about much about what I was talking about. So that just showed to me that there is this difference. And so we can kind of, if you want, Suzanne, we can get into the sexual arousal um, mechanisms and why men and women are different in that way. So as as Suzanne mentioned, um, in this study was done by Townsend, actually in his book, What Men Want, What Women Want. Um, I actually got interested in this topic because I listened to that podcast between Suzanne and John Townsend, and I was blown away and had to read his book. And so I cited a, a lot of his work in my thesis. And he found that women, first of all, did not orgasm during these sexual encounters as frequently. And as Suzanne said, in terms of experience, I'm sure lots of people, lots of young women listening to this can say, oh, yep, I, I understand that. That's much harder for us. And also, there's always jokes on the internet about, well, if uh, if women, if orgasms depended on the conception of a child, the world population would be much smaller, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But in, ter- yep. 
In terms of the biology, this all goes back to sexual strategy, if you're going to follow evolutionary sex differences in that theory. Mm-hmm. And that if women were to get turned on so easily by every man that they see walking down the street and engage in a mating with him, she's going to be at a huge disadvantage because that guy could have been an inmate. He could have been a criminal. He might be someone who has no interest in supporting her or her child or having any investment, not only physically or in terms of money, but in terms of emotional um, support because the child needs his father just as much as he needs his mother. And over millennia, this made sense. Women had to be choosy. If you look at primate groups, um, males fight and females just watch and the males try to vie for her attention and she gets to select that male. And in humans, this is seen more in terms of affection, signs of investment, gifts. Um, If you've ever noticed that women usually like a date or they say, why won't a guy commit? That's just the human version of this primal feeling of females get to choose. They are supposed to be choosy because if they weren't choosy, then they would be having a lot of disadvantageous mating. Unions. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we all were like, if we really all were the same as men and we were all like, <laughs> right. <laughs> if we were walking around like that, you know, know. that turned on just by looking at like, if we were both sexes were that way, we'd be in trouble. We, we would, we would, I mean, and children wouldn't have as good of fathers and that's why the dating process exists. That's why humans formulated this way of choosing mates. And my whole thesis was that the pill just destroyed all of this. The pill in combination with feminism and lots of other sexual uh, and cultural scripts, but it destroyed this concept of females get to be the choosers. There's beauty in that. That's We have Absolutely. so much power and we just threw it away. And I don't know why we did that. Looking back on it, I'm like, wait, can we can we go back? Well, it, yeah, because it it was hap- it was happening. They didn't recognize it as happening no. that way. They just thought, oh, I'm just going to control how many kids I have at first. That's really, like I said, how. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I'm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that only married women could access the pill when it was first. Right by all you said in the year there were all states. 19, it was no, it came in 1963, the pill, but you said 1964 is when all the states proved it, right? I'm 65, sorry, I don't know what it is. Yeah, said. so in 1960, the FDA approved the pill, and then in 1965, it became approved in every state because they had to be approved by state. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was actually only accessible to married couples. Married um, and eventually, I think the biggest thing happened, and that was a positive thing because couples could control their fertility and sometimes weren't ready for multiple children. But it really, I think, changed when it got into the hands of single women because instead of using it as this, um, a lot of women use it for acne or hormonal um, or emotional control, which is which is I know many of my friends are on it actually for purposes mm-hmm. like that or heavy periods, which is great. But most women were having it uh, before you were married; they were taking it so they could go have sex and they're getting hurt. They're getting burned by this, and they didn't know. They were confused. They didn't think that they'd be having this reaction. But it had never been done before in that capacity. And when they started engaging in this giant um, consensus of it's okay to participate in booty calls and it's okay to do all these things. Sure, it's okay. It's a free country and women have the sexual freedom to do what they want. But no one's telling them how it's going to make them feel. No. And that gets into, we're going to skip over two. We'll come back to it on your on your three likely explanations. The third is the emotional differences in men's and women's reactions following casual sex, which is what you're getting at. 
Even we know from the research that even sexually women who consider themselves very sexually liberal, meaning, oh, whatever, you know, sexually free, they don't have any moral stipulations on it or whatever. Even that group is very surprised to find how they react after the fact. Exactly. And the big theme that I found in a lot of the research that I was looking at was that it wasn't necessarily prior to the hookup. Because as we can see in research, women are very willing to do it, especially in college. Um, They're very willing to participate in these hookups, and it's happening a lot. But the real emotional hurt happens after the hookup. So women and men will both initiate it. They found that, that it's less gendered as it used to be. But now it's after. And they found that when they do research and they survey uh, women and men in college, who have participated in hookups, they find that the women actually tend to have more negative reactions up to two or three weeks after the hookup experience versus surveying the woman the day after because they're in this, I feel loved, I'm in this glow, I had this hookup last night. And they found that actually a lot of women reported positive reactions the day after their hookup and so did men. But then two or three weeks later, they found that the results changed. The woman's negative. Isn't that fascinating? It is. And it's because we decided that those women were not getting the relational commitment that they wanted, that they thought the hookup was going to lead to. And it was that disappointment. Even though they claim that's not, of course, what they're looking for. And they're acting as though they're just in it for the sex. A hundred percent. It's, and we noticed that exactly in all the studies that I looked at, a lot of these were very sexually liberal women who participated in lots of hookups far more than the average woman. And in some of the accounts, uh, the qualitative explorations of what they were saying, they would write down their uh, the quotes of what they were saying. And they would say, well, I, I, I was really surprised, but I, I started wanting, I started having feelings for this guy. And she was so surprised, so shocked and kind of upset that she was having this reaction. She didn't want to, but she couldn't help it. And that kind of goes into some hormonal differences that we can talk about. I know that's on the script for later, Suzanne. Okay. Um, so, all right. So let's go cover the second one now. So physical mm-hmm. differences and sexual arousal. And then we went to the third one, the emotional differences after casual sex. And then the mm-hmm. second one is variation in sexual motivators. So why they are each doing men and women, what they're doing. So what's the difference there? So the difference there, you can look at this on two levels. You could look at it on a subconscious or a conscious level. And earlier I was kind of talking about how a lot of women were surprised by their reactions to having sex. So that's kind of what happens after the hookup. So now we're talking about the reasons leading to the hookup. And two things. One, I think subconsciously, a lot of women just want to be validated. They want to feel loved. A lot of women who participate in these maybe once or twice, it might just be experimentation in college. Um, I've watched this in all my friends and in my own personal life. Um, I've experienced that, you know, everyone wants to explore. But the women who participate in this again and again and again and know that it's hurting them. Um, I actually talked about this with uh, Suzanne's daughter, who I'm good friends with. We noticed this in both of our friend groups that the women who keep doing this and keep getting hurt by it is because they have this attention. They have attention. They have validation from these guys that they hook up with. And that's a big difference in men versus women's sexual motivators. Men do it for the pleasure, not to reduce it, but that's just how it is. It biologically makes sense. It's in their sexual strategy and that's on a subconscious level. But in terms of a conscious level, if we look at it more culturally, women do it because of A, the validation and B, they think that these might turn into relationships, which is what every woman wants the love story. We all want to be the person in the notebook 
who Ryan Gosling runs to and hugs in the rain. I have watched that movie so many times and I cannot help it. I get teary eyed every time I watch it, even though it's a cheesy Nicholas Sparks movie. Mm -hmm. We just want it. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. And guys are not like that. And in terms of the uh, conscious level of the differences in sexual motivators, they found that guys tend to, they take what they can get. And I know that sounds crude, Mm -hmm. but they do. And that's just something that our mothers and our grandmothers and their grandmothers before that, them knew maybe without the biology, but they knew that. They knew that inherently. They didn't know why, but they just said, don't, why would you give him milk for free when he doesn't have to buy the cow? Right. Um, And that's basically a crude way of saying, why would he marry you if he's already getting sex for free? Mm -hmm. And um, I know that Suzanne in her work and in a lot of her articles, which I keep up with because I'm a big fan, um, (laughs) she talks about how men give love to get sex and women give sex to get love. And I think in terms of the sexual motivators, that's the big difference there. That we all make these sacrifices. Women want the love story, but we know that guys are different, so we give them that. And sure, we enjoy it, but it's not the big driver. That's not the first thing I think about. Um, that's not the first thing I think that most girls think about when they think about having a boyfriend or seeing their boyfriend after a long period of time. It's hugging him and cuddling with him and watching movies with him and having baking nights with him. But in his head, I think the first thing on his mind maybe isn't that. He'll do that because it makes you happy, but that isn't because he actually enjoys it. So I don't know what made me just think of this, but I know you talked somewhere and I don't have this written down to talk about, but it just dawned on me. The visual difference, right? For you oh, know, men yeah. are visual and women are not. And so this is another just glaring difference that works so well. Like if you wanted your husband to stop what he's doing, right? And notice you, all you have to do is get naked, right? Stand in front of him. You're good to go, right? Visual stimuli. Okay. It would not work in the reverse. <laughs> It doesn't like, you know, and I will say, you know, I think every young girl, I don't know if many college age women listen to this, um, but also I want everyone listening to this to know that I am excited to be, I'm 21 and I'm excited to be on here at this age because I feel like a lot of people feel like I do at this age, but I haven't heard a lot of people go on here or comment that are younger than about 25. And we have this, um, you're not alone. I, I feel what you are feeling if you're listening to that and identifying with this. But I love just as much as the next girl to look at a shirtless picture of a hot guy. Like who doesn't? But that's not, that's not all. I don't don't only need to know about the shirtless guy. I'm like, okay, well, what's his job? Uh, what 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 is his relationship with his mom? What are his friends like? And as Suzanne had mentioned, I thought this is really funny in the research. So many more men watch porn than women. Women will watch porn. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's with a partner to please them. But women like to read erotic fiction or they like movies. Yep. You got it. Yep. And this kind of feeds into, again, with the sexual motivators and the investment sexual strategy of women. They want a good partner, someone that will show them that they have this emotional investment. They care about their wants, their feelings, and their needs is that just look at the 50 shades of gray novels. Women eat that up. That's like one of the best selling books um, on that in that. And without that emotional piece to it, it would not have sold to women that they're not there strictly for the sex. Exactly. Well, why are there three books of 50 shades of gray? It's because women want to know Christian gray and finally emotionally opening up to him and how he eventually becomes a father and gets over his trauma in a healthy way. I don't think guys would enjoy something like that. I don't, they just they would rather the visual stimuli because mm-hmm. it ties down to their sexual strategy. Mm-hmm. They can be if they're aroused as often as possible, they pass on their genes as often as possible, and that just doesn't work that way for women. No, it does not. 
When you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. Um, okay, so you wrote, let's see, so those are the three. Now, with reference to the hookup, in terms of the goals and motivation, mm-hmm. um, you wrote, in the era of hooking up, the power lies not in the initiation of said actions, but rather in the end result of the event. In the women, there was not a strong objection to the act of hooking up. Instead, she asserts their objection and disappointment became rooted in the failure of these casual sexual encounters to develop into a stable relationship as opposed to a one night stand, which is kind of, we've already covered that. Um, But this really gets to the heart of why it's really the men, not the women who hold the power post pill. See, Mm -hmm. which is why I titled this um, episode, uh, how the pill sabotaged women's sexual power, because prior to the pill, women had all the power. They think by, controlling their reproductive system that's empowering because they can now have sex like men but of course it didn't work that didn't work out that way at all they lost their power and they gave it to men oh and i 100 percent think that lots of men are laughing because they and i'm not great great for them this is great for them and i'm not trying to reduce them i'm sure lots of men listen to this and you all are wonderful i love men so does suzanne um but it's just in terms of biology we're all primates. We are in our in our DNA. And I can't help it. I'm a biology person. And what's crazy to me is that woman thought that it was empowering them when Suzanne mentioned it wasn't because men, this sexual script benefited men. It doesn't benefit the sexes equally. It doesn't benefit women. And the crazy thing is that women were brainwashed to believe this, that they thought that this was wonderful and great and that they're going to get all of these things that they didn't used to have when they were so oppressed. When reality Women had held all the power. Um, it was always an assumed no if a guy wanted to have sex outside of a relationship or even before marriage. You look at the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside, and that's just a beautiful demonstration of um, this woman trying to like push off a guy's advances and a guy trying because he is the hunter, as mm-hmm. Suzanne mentioned in her most recent article that we'll talk about a little bit later. That when you reverse the script, it just doesn't work well because everyone becomes men. And men dating men is not um, – if they're heterosexual, then they don't want to date another man. But that's what women are, are becoming, and, and they think that the pill has allowed them to act like this. But now I think that enough time has passed where people are confused. They don't know how to date. Use that word. 
yeah. and when I get to the email of the day, uh, everybody, I, as you know, I do an email of the day. I'm going to let Lily answer today's email. And the, the, the young woman asked something about that very thing. We'll come back to that. Okay. So to wrap it up and to move into the article that I wrote, you wrote, quote, a change in culture and its accepted forms of sexual behavior does not necessarily diminish evolutionary neurocognitive factors. And the potential for the reality of this theory may be highlighted by modern phenomena in dating frustrations and gender differences in emotional reactions to sex. In other words, few women, this is the gist of the whole thing, just want sex. There's this unexpected desire for love that they, I guess, took for granted and didn't realize the pill wasn't going to change that, right? Agreed. And that is the most interesting finding in all of this research is that even the woman who didn't think that they would be like the other girls or think, oh, I'm not very emotional. They, they, they even in their own responses undermine their original intentions. And a lot of the times they're surprised by that and they feel ashamed and guilty for it. Um, like Suzanne has mentioned several times, or at least I've noticed in the people around me, you don't want to be the needy girl. And I understand, you know, being needy is a little bit different than being vulnerable, but like having, um, when people start, it's called catching feels. I don't know if I've heard, oh my gosh, I just heard this recently. My daughter confirmed it a couple months ago. I'm like catching, well, I heard catching feelings. Don't catch feelings. It's actually not funny. When I first heard, I'm like, oh my God, that's horrible. Like you're trying to ward off feeling. Exactly. And no, I mean, it's, it's sad. And that's a thing now is that some people, uh, I actually personally have known one young man who told me that the only way he can get to know a girl, um, the best way that he gets to know a girl before he even considers dating her is to have sex with her first. And he feels like he can't fully know her until he's had sex with her. And I told him, well, I don't think you're going to get a lot of girls like that. Um, <laughs> because I think, I think that's putting the cart before the horse, but that's how some people are thinking now. And it's like, so if you could share your body with someone and all of these dangerous things, um, like STDs, pregnancy that Jordan Peterson talks about that are involved in sex. I mean, sex is the most intimate connection between two people. Not even, even if you're not religious, it's hard to deny yeah. this, that this yeah. is the most intimate way you can show your affection for someone. Reducing it to just this physical action is that, well, you've just shared, I've just seen you naked, but you can't tell me like what your sister's name is. It's so completely messed it. up. I, 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 to, I, I wish you had asked him, so what is it that you're learning? I'm just curious. You said you can only know someone when you have sex with them. What is it that you learn at the end? I'm really curious what he would say to that. Uh, you know what? I didn't really get an answer because I was so taken aback by it. I didn't really <laughs> want to know the answer. Um, <laughs> but it just blew me away. And this this guy is 24. So that's uh, wow. not a college age guy either. And I think that his answer probably would just be that, well, guys connect through sex mm -hmm. um, right? and women do as well, but it's not in the same way. It's more of, it, it's a cherry on top of the relationship structure that you've already set versus mm -hmm. men tend to, that's the, that's not the cherry on top for them. That the, the that is the cherry. Yeah, it is. It I mean, is. That is yeah, right. It's all the cherry. That's all that there is for them. All right. So this unexpected desire for a love, um, despite being able to quote unquote have sex like a man is the whole purpose of your, you know, essay basically. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the end result, whether they knew it was going to be or want it to be or whatever. 
So that gets into the piece that I wrote for um, EV Magazine that's entitled Marriage-Minded Women Are in Desperate Need of Dating Advice. Here you go. And I opened up that piece talking about a, a relatively new 30-year-old coaching client I have who, or actually had, I, I, I finished up with her, um, who said that she's trying to do everything right after having, in her words, quote, done everything wrong. And she basically is just a product of her generation and was desperate for a completely new script and did not want to function by the old one anymore um, because it wasn't getting her where she wanted to go. So when she reached out to me, she was dating someone and um, she did everything with him according to what I was suggesting, which was the complete opposite of everything she'd done in the past. And it ended up having, um, it ended up working because here's what, here, 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 let's talk about what those rules are first and why they work. Um, I, I started out on that article explaining, basically I called the problem with modern dating is sex. And it's basically just the same as your essay. And then I led into these three rules. Okay, so I wrote in there, one of the three rules was not to sleep with him at the beginning of the relationship. And to me, this is such a slam dunk. It's just so obvious. I can't even get my head around having to tell anybody this. That's how much I think it should just be obvious. But for some reason, it's not. And one of the things when this young woman who I worked with told her friends that she wasn't going to be sleeping with this guy that she was dating that she really liked, they're like, they basically told her, well, he's going to leave. He's going to go find someone else who will. Now, keep in mind, this, these are 30-year-olds, Lily. Oh, 30. I mean, it's so sad that we're like talking about 30-year-olds. If you'd said 20-year-old, I would get it. But I said in response, well, fantastic. That's great if he runs. You've just spared yourself months and months of wasted time that you don't have and heartache and time, all of the rest, by weeding out somebody who doesn't want what you want. So not sleeping with someone is not hurting it, which is what your generation or at least millennials believe as a rule. It's quite the opposite. It's a mating strategy, isn't it? You could call it a mating strategy. It is. I, I would say, yeah, it's a, it's a sexual or mating strategy and that men want to, uh, you know, as, as the saying goes, sow their wild oats. And that that expression um, a long time ago didn't wasn't just an expression. I mean, it was this understanding of, you know, I have a, I have two brothers and I've obviously um, learned a lot about boys since having brothers and gone to school with boys and being in college and just experiencing all of that. And that guys just are driven um, by sex or this, this, the chase. They're driven by the chase. And um, that sleeping with a guy at the beginning, women think that they get this power when actually they're giving it all away. There is, I don't even need to cite this. So this is kind of going away from my thesis and just more in my personal life as a 21 year old woman who's experienced almost all of college at this point in this time and watching all of these weird changes happen is that if you wait, like making a guy wait is you just, you have all of this power. It's kind of funny to like not funny, but just, just, it's fascinating, fascinating. fascinating. To watch. There we go. Fascinating is a better word. It, it's, it's fascinating to watch how much power you have. Mm -hmm. It's almost like something that you didn't even know. It's like unlocking the secret, secret power that they, they just want you. They want to make you happy. They want to please you. And most of all, they want to have sex with you and making them wait is going to, you know, there's a, there's a country song and I can't remember the singer. Uh, it's called make him wait. And there's a line in the song that says a boy's going to run, but a real man's going to stay. Mm -hmm. and wait. And the song's theme is 
make him wait by the front door uh, to meet your dad, make him wait by the phone, make him wait when you're walking down the aisle. And the song is this beautiful. I don't know how I found it. I found it at work. I would recommend mm-hmm. it to anybody. And I loved the song because in the song, she said, he's going to offer to let you stay the night. You're going to want to, and it's going to be hard, but you shouldn't. He's going to say it's easier, but don't. A, a boy's going to run, but a real man's going to stay. And Suzanne's right. This just really reflects how it's going to weed out. You don't want a boy. You don't want to marry. You don't want to be a man's mother. You want to marry a man. You want to marry your equal, at least in terms of a partnership and this wonderful thing called a relationship. You don't want to be his mom. And you know what? If you married that guy anyway, you're going to end up being his mom. Absolutely. So, so there's no lose. It's, it's a win-win situation. This idea that, well, he's going to run if you do that. Great. Let him that. That's great. That's even more power for you Mm because you've wasted that much less time. You want to find somebody who wants what you want and somebody who wants a relationship is willing to wait. That, that's all there is to it. For and sure. we're talking about, you know, this gets into, you know, back in the day you waited for marriage and then, mm-hmm. um, and then that kind of went out and that's not coming back. You know, that genie's out of the bottle. Um, and I always find it funny because I find myself in this really strange place because I can't make religious people happy and I can't make secular people happy because I don't espouse that you must wait until you're married. Yeah. I don't espouse casual sex. So it's like, well, what, what's the middle ground, which I happen to think there's a really obvious middle ground. I don't think it's difficult. Um, the reality is if you're going to postpone marriage, this was always what I argued about sex. You cannot simultaneously promote the delay of marriage while also promoting the idea to wait to get married, to have sex. You, you can't have both of those. If you, if you want to argue for earlier marriage, then you can make that argument, but you cannot expect somebody in their adulthood to not have sex when they're in adult long-term relationship um, that's headed that way. So if you're 25 years old and you've been together for several years and you're headed towards marriage, it's just, it's just, it's a silly thing to try to say, don't have sex with them. I'm, I just, I just feel that way. There's people who will get mad at me for that, but that's just the way I feel about it. No, I, I agree. And I do think that a lot of religious basis for that uh, idea was very deep rooted. And even though they didn't understand the science yet, they just knew that it worked. And so I think that you actually can make both people happy um, in making that argument. And second, I think you're completely right. And that a lot of a lot of those uh, religious rules, or at least very Christian ideas of waiting until marriage, were formulated in times when women got married much earlier. Bingo. Exactly. And that's why it made sense then. You could make that argument. Now, if you still want to make that argument, that's fine. If you're saying everyone should marry at 23 and then wait till have sex till then, I'm I'm, I'm with you. But you can't you just can't have it both ways. So, and of course they're not marrying at 23 now. So I deal with reality and the reality is the average age for woman is 27. The average age for man is 29 today. So given what people are doing with delayed marriage, I need to give them something that works, right? And something that works is you just simply reject casual sex outright, period. It's not in your life. The same way that when you would start dating, you're out on the dating uh, market, uh, you're in the dating market and you see a man has a wedding ring on and you turn around and run, right? You don't even entertain it. It's the same thing. You don't waste your time. And one of the, one of the best uh, ideas that I've ever found in my life has been told to be, um, I can't remember which teacher told me this. It was a long time ago, maybe middle school. And they said, there are no true enemies in life. The only true enemy is time. And time is trying to balance it, trying to choose what you want because you don't have double time to do both things at the same time. And one of those things is um, 
you shouldn't waste your precious time when you're young. You really shouldn't. It's not worth being years into a relationship with a boy or someone who's not actually going to work because Suzanne's right. You wouldn't entertain that with a married man or someone that you knew had a bad reputation. Why would you even entertain it? You should value yourself so much more than that and that you should make men rise to meet that standard. And I truly, and I believe women are wasting their twenties. I I think they're wasting an entire decade. I really do believe that. And I'm not arguing for early, early marriage. My, my particular position is 25 is ideal because technically speaking, I mean, not technically, uh, statistically speaking, you do have a higher chance of divorce if you marry prior to 25 than you do at 25 and older. Now that, you know, those are still statistics, individuals are individuals. And if you're raised the same way with the same mentality and those two families get together, you know, it can be great. So I, there's no hard line about it, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, um, I think it's best you know, earlier marriage is not the same as early marriage, I guess, you know, the 21 year old is one thing, 25 year old is another. That's, those are some big growing years there. Um, I'm completely agree. I don't know what, why I was bringing up um, when to marry. What did you just say a second ago? Oh, I said, um, I'm sorry about how religion people got married a lot yeah. earlier. And that's where yeah. that rule kind of came in, which is hard to follow now when the entire dimensions of society yeah. have changed. Right. Oh, yeah. So I was just saying, if you're going to hold off, you need a script to work with. And if you, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Oh, I was saying uh, 20-somethings are being wasted. People are wasting their 20s. Yeah. If you um, if you view your 20s as just this play field, right, oh. all you're going to do is get an education and, and, and work. Like, that's it. And you're going to worry about marriage in your 30s. You are going to regret it. Most people, for most people, that does not work out that way for a whole slew of reasons that are very sound and, um, and and need to be adhered to. Well, you know, this this makes me think of a little bit uh, in my in my thesis when I was talking about dating from the 1920s until the 1960s. A lot of things changed um, in the 1920s. You had the calling era where men would come and go to women's houses and be invited, and they would play the piano. Think of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Um, then you had the 40s where people would go on multiple dates, and uh, it was called raiding and dating, where people were in certain social social groups and you would only date like a boys and a boys would date <laughs> a girls. It was different. And then in the sixties you had going steady and in the fifties. Um, so you had a lot of different things, but one thing that this makes me think of Suzanne is so my grandmother, her, I can't remember whether it was her mother or her grandmother. I want to say it was her grandmother. So my grandmother is about 80. So her grandmother, I don't know what year she was born in. Um, but she told me a story that I thought was very interesting. And she said that when she was 16, maybe 16 or 17 years old, someone had, her mother had the talk with her because she was going to get married soon um, or had this boy that was very serious. And she explained to her uh, what sex was. And she goes, oh, you mean you have to lift up your nightgown? She was, <laughs> she was 16 or 17 years old. And that's so different. And now you look at today and they're advocating teaching kindergartners about um, oh, the different forms of, of bisexual sex. And to me, the, and like WAP, that song. Um, that oh, don't, me, don't, don't, I can't even talk about it. I'm too oh. much of a lady. We will not discuss WAP. We, we won't discuss WAP, but I'm just trying Especially to. Because she was then. named woman of the year or something for that song. Oh, oh my God. It's, it's crazy to me. And, and you look at that in comparison to that, that anecdote I told about my, my great grandmother and that. That it, really shows the, the it devolution. Sh- it does. It shows the devolution. And granted, you know, that's very innocent. But it was that marriage happened so much earlier then. And it was a completely different concept than it is now. 
Okay, so that, that's so that's so that's rule two. The three rules for lasting love. I just said number two, which is do not sleep with them. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the relationship. Duh, that's so obvious. I don't. I, it pains mm-hmm. me that I have to say it. Number one, though, before that is don't be the hunter. Be the hunted. Again, so basic up until recently. I mean, mothers pass this on to their daughters ad nauseum forever, and I, I shudder to look at young women who honestly don't understand it. No one's ever explained it to them. So they're confused. I think you told a story yesterday when we were talking about some, a friend of yours who just isn't getting the messages as to why he's not responding to her overtures and why, why it works that way, why it doesn't work that way. Can you? Yeah, of course. So I have a friend who uh, has had, okay. So if anyone, any younger people listening to this, I'm not calling you old Suzanne. Um, Anyone, anyone, If anyone Snapchats, uh, people will put uh, what are called thirst traps on their story. And Suzanne, a thirst trap is where you you she knows I don't know the terminology. Oh, it's okay. My my mom doesn't, so uh, I barely even know what it is now. I had to have people explain this to me. Um, but a thirst trap is where you post like a really sexy picture of yourself, maybe in a mirror, on your story on Instagram, so all of your followers can view it. And guys will slide. It's called sliding into your DMs, or they will go into your messages and respond to your story and. And uh, basically ask to hook up with you or say you look hot or try because they see that visual stimuli and they think, wow, she's putting this on her story. She wants everyone to see it. Clearly, she wants this. I want it. I can get it from her. She does things like that. And then she'll have these guys, multiple men that she's talking to. And she'll get really upset and defeated for the last two years about why none of these men ever work out. And she'll at the other day she asks, well, should I double text him? Should I send him one text? Cause he hasn't responded to my other texts. Like, is that wrong? Why, why can't I get a guy to commit? Why can't I just get a date? Um, and that reminds me, there's this, uh, video I saw the other day on Instagram and it was kind of a joke, but it was kind of serious in the same, in the same way. It was this girl. And I think she had a couple of drinks and her friends were videotaping her and she was drinking water out of a glass or something. And she was saying, what happened to, what happened to let me take you on a date? Let oh, me I saw you, that. Yeah, yeah. Let me take you to dinner. Now it's like, come chill. Um, <laughs> and she goes like, who raised these boys? And it hit me. That is the frustration, Suzanne. And I think that's where it stems from is that we could solve all of it. And that guys like to hunt. They like to pursue. That's that's like a game for them. They like the challenge. And you know what? Women love to be chased. We love to put on our heels and our dresses and we love to be called beautiful. Mm-hmm. We love to feel that affection. And when it's healthy and it comes from the guy in that way, from a guy who actually values you, it's great. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's how we uh, offer these trade-offs in our sexual strategies. It's that beautiful commencement. I remember when I saw that, because that, I mean, the girl's not wrong. You, you asked who raised these boys. She, she actually hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's two parts to this. There's the way we've raised girls and there's the way we've raised boys. And they kind of go hand in hand. You've raised girls to think they can be just like men and that they should be. And they try have are trying it and they're seeing that it's not working. And so they're mad because they've been lied to, which is the whole thing of what I do, right? Is to try to help people undo that. Um, and then on the guy's side, you know, we raised my husband and I raised our son to call a girl, not text her um, yes. when you want to go out with her. Now, obviously you'll be texting when the relationship is established, but at the beginning you don't text a, will you go out with me? You, you call her or you ask her in person. So mm-hmm. um, he, he's also been raised for, well, first of all, my husband is a awesome father and, and very respectful of women and of humans. And so he's got this great model for that. 
it is true that that is how you raise boys to become the kind of men that women want. That girl who said that on that social media site or whatever it was that you're referring to is, is correct. And that gets into a whole nother conversation, of course, because boys are being raised in fatherless homes, but that's another conversation uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, for another day. Um, but so it does start in the home and how you parent your children. And I'm going to actually have a whole um, uh, podcast episode on that coming up in a couple of weeks though. Exciting. Um, okay. So don't be the hunter, be the hunted. Number one, number two, don't sleep with them at the beginning of a relationship. Three, let him know up front that you're looking for love and relationship and not just sex, which kind of goes hand in hand with number two, because if you're not sleeping with him, that's kind of obvious. But there's nothing wrong with having a conversation about what you want. People are so afraid they think they got to play the game. I mean, it is a game to some dis- to some extent, but it's it's not supposed to be a game where you don't where you're not honest. It's an honest game where you um make it clear as to what it is you're looking for. Now, now if you're 18, that's going to be a little harder than when you're 25. Uh, because if you are looking for uh, something permanent at 18, you're going to have a hard time finding another 18 year old boy who's going to be on board with you. So it does get tricky, but beyond say the college level, when you're in the dating world, make it clear. Let's see if you're a match. Here's what I want. Here's, and you don't have to say, and I said this in the, in that article, you don't have to say this up front. Like I was describing how, when I met my husband, since I had been married and divorced in the course of getting to know each other, he was hearing who I am because I was describing what happened with that marriage and what it didn't and how it didn't match with my ex. So it was clear what I wanted and was looking for without saying, Hey, look, I'm, I'm, this is what I'd like out of life. And here, can you provide it? You, know, it's like, you don't say that, but it's obvious to him what I'm looking yeah. for and what he's looking for. It's just, it's just part of the process and it's, you're not supposed to avoid the topic to see how things go down the line. Oh, for sure. And and the hard thing is, I think a lot of people have these extremely high standards for, like you mentioned, 18 year old girls trying to look for a serious relationship, which a lot of the time, I mean, girls uh, do in, first of all, in the brain, they develop uh, maturity much faster than, yep. than boys do. And exactly. by the time, Oh, yep. And by the time that they reach that age, um, a lot of women are much more mature, and that's why women tend to date older men. And I actually have an interesting anecdote that kind of goes with that. So you mentioned that um, men will rise to the standards, but because of the way that they're being raised and the people aren't raising men, they're raising Peter Pans, forever boys. Um, they are, and they are finding that these guys take twice as long to mature. So, for example, one of my uh, best friends, uh, Emily, uh, Suzanne actually knows her mom, um, she told me that she – was, you know, as she's been having this problem of going to the bars at her campus with her friends. And she's just so, so disappointed in that guys will, will talk to her when they find out that she's not going to give them that immediate quick hookup that they'll just move on to the next girl. And people have this idea of, well, well, if a guy doesn't work out, then, then that's bad. Like he doesn't like me. There's something wrong with me. It's like, no, people think now that they, that the first guy that likes them has to be their husband. And it's like, no, people understood this before. That's why you go on dates is you're not going to find your person unless you're one of those people that has a wonderful love story, like high school sweethearts. There's lots of those. Um, those are rare and hard to find is that sometimes it takes a few mess ups and a few, mm-hmm. that's how you learn what you want is you go on dates and you meet multiple people and if they don't want what you want, then you go. They go find someone else, and you go find someone else. That's not bad. 
that's not a problem. And a lot of women see this as a defeat or a self-ego thing. And no, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And meanwhile, But meanwhile, those are the same women who are willing to sleep with all the guys instead of have the relationship to find out. That makes no sense. Precisely. And, and the thing that um, my friend, she actually went to a bar recently and this guy came up to her and bought her a drink and asked her to play pool with her. And he was very kind and nice and, and talked with her all night. And he got her number and he waited three days to call her. And he called her and... Emily found out she was so disappointed. She's 21, he's 33. And she had to be honest and say, listen, the age gap is just too big. And she told me, Lily, I'm so upset. I found this amazing guy and he was so attractive, but he was 33. Why? Why does it not work out? I'm like, you know, it's because they, lots of great guys, they're, they're, they're underbaked. A lot of them are underbaked. They have to become more baked. They have to mature. And by the if time you're they underbaked get, at 33, you probably don't want them anyway. You probably don't want them anyway. But that just precisely shows that a lot of these men are not mature quite yet. No, right. And again, that goes back to because we're not asking them to be. So that the point of those rules, those three rules, is the, 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 the message behind that is, look, have standards, right? Have standards and men will rise to meet them. The ones that don't, great. You're weeding them out. So, so because there are so few women with standards, they, we are not creating men with standards because the men will follow the women's lead when it comes to sex and relationship. They have no choice. They can't have sex with you without your permission. That's against the law. So exactly. They'll do do whatever you command. That's the whole point. We, we are the, we are the ship steers and it's this power that we're completely blind to. And that's why they call it a relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that, I think that's kind of funny. I like puns. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Um, But that is so true. And exactly. If we create these standards, men will rise to meet them. They, they, honestly, I was talking with um, my brother the other day and his girlfriend made some funny comment in the car and I was laughing because I just thought it was so true. He said that he loves like back scratches because she has like long acrylic nails and he loves to eat. He just loves good food and he's not very good at cooking. Um, he's a 19 year old boy. So he, he is a little underbaked. He has some baking to do, but, but <laughs> he, his girlfriend made a joke and said, well, Charlie, Charlie, or no, Charlie, my brother, he said, well, all you have to do is just give me really good back scratches and learn to be a good cook. And I'll just be a, be a happy man for the rest of my life. And Claire goes, Charlie, you should want more than that. That kind of makes me sad. You should want more. But it's so true. Men are so simple. They just want to please us and they just want affection and love. Yeah. And I mean, they're so easy. I mean, seriously, you can. And there's such there's so much beauty to that. You can either make fun of that. And and I understand making fun of that when you're younger because you're just messing around. But I mean, seriously, when you're older, because I talk to the wives that I coach all the time about this kind of thing, turn it around to look at what's so beautiful about that. I mean, imagine if we were as easy to please. Right. If we were as quick to forget. If we're, our needs were so few, I mean, we'd be a lot easier as women. We would. And I think that that's the beauty of men and women. We both exist. We both complement each other. Simplicity is good, but sometimes you need to delve into deeper things and you need to have more complexity. And we're very good about that. But sometimes they, we need to be reminded to just chill out, sit on the couch and have a glass of wine and watch a show. Sometimes we just need to be reduced to our simple needs. And again, that's not a bad thing. Like Suzanne said, you can see that as a beautiful thing and that we can help each other. Okay. Now, because everyone, I know I'm going to hear from people saying like, oh my God, where'd you find that girl? I can't believe she's 21 years old. That's amazing. And I'm going to get all these, I know I am. (laughs) I have to say that you'd be one of those exceptions to the rule when I said, don't marry before you're 25. You well, they totally can. handle it if you're with somebody who thinks just like you. If if we had a bunch of people like that, then you could totally make the argument for early marriage. Unfortunately, you are a rare breed, Lily, which is why I love you. 
And which is also why I'm going to have you answer the email of the day. Okay. We're going to. All right. Uh, Hi, Suzanne. My name is Addison. I'm 26 years old. I admit I was brainwashed by feminists and thought that I had to be something I was not and didn't want to be. I only grew up with my mother. So I had to do my research on all things women. And I had a shift and realized the media was a joke and they're pushing women to be blah, 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 blah. Okay. So then she asks, However, I feel like men nowadays are also confused. This goes back to the confusion you mentioned before, and I said we're going to talk about it later. They are just as confused because they're hearing the message that are given that's given primarily to women, but of course it affects men. So they're just as confused about what to do with that message because it seems like women are wanting it because they're adopting it. And so men are like, okay, I guess I'll go on board with it, right? But then the flip side of that is that they're just as harmed by these explicit sexual, um, the sexuality really that's being emphasized as opposed to the relationship piece. And so now they're having expectations of women to be quote unquote hot rather than looking for the quality woman um, who, by the way, can be very beautiful, but not to say that you can't be hot and quality, but you know what I mean? That they're just more, they're looking more at the um, aesthetics and the, the, not the deeper stuff. So are you seeing that in among your contemporaries? Oh, 100%. And first of all, I'll say to Addison, I mean, I, you're 26, I'm 21. So um, that's, first of all, there's there's a level of understanding that I'm sure you might have above me in terms of life experience. You're out in the real world. I'm in college. So I'm going to try to answer it out of my 21-year-old uh, set of life experiences as best I can. Um, but that actually makes me think about a, I was actually going on a walk with my friend the other day, and she told me an interesting story, which I think speaks directly to this. You're not alone. She said one night it was cold. She was going out to the bar and her friends uh, her friends were kind of, you know, wearing very showy clothing, which is fun if you're going to the bar. But it was cold and so she put on a cardigan and she was like, I'm going to wear this cardigan to the bar. And her friends made so much fun of her. They're like, you're not going to get a guy tonight with that cardigan. And Emily was like, you know what? What if I want the cardigan? What if I want to wear the cardigan? And he thinks that I'm different because I'm wearing the cardigan. And that just makes me think that when guys go – to out. I don't know. A lot of times in college, it's a bar, maybe when you're older in your 20s, or just maybe if it's at work or some sort of adult get together, people are going to see that the men are going to see the nice, innocent, uh, in the sense of not necessarily like naive, but in a good way of the girl who's quality down to earth, um, well-grounded, a woman of just the, a, a classy a woman, lady, a classy lady. There's beauty in that. They're going to see her. And if their only goal that night is to score, they're not going to go after that girl because that girl is sending a message of I am above that. I'm not going to give that to you. And they're going to go after the easy girl. And the reason I think that men don't value this anymore is a, like Suzanne mentioned earlier, their mothers have not raised them um, to be conscious of that. Um, and B men just think differently than women. And if girls are going to give it to them that easy, then they're not going to put in the work to, to get the, get the other version. And, which is- and yeah. And you and I were talking about how it, eventually they will, right? Eventually, like, yeah. See, it's the maturity end of it. Because if you're uh-huh. talking about a 23-year-old boy versus a 30-year-old boy versus a 35-year-old, sure. you know, I shouldn't say boy, hopefully young man. If at that point you are looking for a family woman, let's say, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. you will notice that person standing out in the crowd. It's what to do in the meantime while we're waiting for the men to grow up and out of the sowing of the oats part that gets difficult, right? Yes, it, it, 100%. And this is harder to say because I do think there there are a lot of good quality men, but also there is a lot of a, a lot of not good quality men because of the way culture has just ruined everything. We could go into that mm-hmm. another time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but second, 
I would say the best way, at least from my perspective, to weed those guys out is first understand that you don't need a guy for validation of your own self-worth. Um, because you're going to have to spend a lot of time on yourself sometimes if you're minding your own business and let the guy come to you, which yep. is how you're going to get quality guys. Yep. Good. That's less work for you. Let them weed themselves out. Let themselves be in the battle ring of the Roman Colosseum and you sit in the stands and wait for the good one to come to you. Seriously, like it's um, don't feel like that lowers just because you're not getting those guys that want the easy girls. You don't want them anyway. And it's easy to get in your own head about that. I know as a young person and you're seeing everyone around you do it. But I promise you, I guarantee that if you wait, then you're going to find a man of quality. And second, um, let a guy earn the respect of you. Um, he he should rise to meet your standards. The last thing is, and this is just to people in general, um, this is more of like a my age thing. Um, stop snapping guys that you're interested in. Snapchatting, like it, um, let them call you or like at least call them or like on iMessage, text them. Don't do the snap thing because, or send pictures of your face all the time. Leave a little mystery. Seriously, they will be interested and see that you're different. Don't do the snapping thing. I think that's a really weird thing that people do. That is, I've experienced that and that it doesn't help anybody. And girls will look on snap map locations to see where the guy was that they were talking to 20 minutes ago. And why isn't he responding to me? That's not healthy. Don't don't do that. That's not going to help you. Honestly, Lily, we could do a whole episodes in the future on um, just social media and what it's done. I mean, that's sure. I, we don't have time for that today, but that yeah. that that's really very sad and just unfortunate. And for so in so many ways, um, mm-hmm. you really have to consciously go out of your way to reject that to to find the quality, just just like you do with the sex. But that's that's very hard to do because it's so ubiquitous. But we'll we'll come back to that another time. Yeah. Lily, you rock. I love you. <laughs> I've just so thrilled to have you on here. It's been so, so fun. I know I'm going to hear from people being like, yeah, that was so amazing. You have to get her back. Um, Well, thank you, Suzanne. This has been honestly wonderful. I'm so grateful I got to do this. And um, Suzanne has been one of my biggest role models growing up, especially in the last few years and everything that she does really. So this is like an honor to be on here. Thank you, Lily. So awesome. So great to talk to you. And um, I'll see you tonight. Aren't you coming over? Uh, yes, I am. I'm going to awesome. see Emma tonight. <laughs> All right. So I'll see you in a few hours. All right. All right. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you. Talk to you later. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook. Just type in The Suzanne Venker Show in the Facebook search bar and it will come right up. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or a comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Venker Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.